This podcast is sponsored by Eurex Exchange. Eurex, an exchange for the better. Eurex Exchange is one of the world's leading derivatives exchanges. The exchange is the home of the Euro yield curve with liquid derivatives on German, Italian, French, and Spanish government bonds. Eurex 2 features the broadest choice of equity index derivatives worldwide. Every day, Eurex customers transact 7.5 million contracts across 11 asset classes on its award-winning T7 platform. To find out more, visit eurexexchange.com. Hello, and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. Today, we are reviewing the recently published 29th semi-annual survey of the European repo market, which was released by the European Repo Council of the International Capital Markets Association, or ICMA. What's interesting about this survey is that the baseline figure for the market size shows stability in the repo markets. However, we are warned that this stability is misleading. I have with me today Richard Camado, Senior Visiting Fellow at the ICMA Center and author of the report, who's going to shed some light on the survey and explain the findings in more detail. Welcome to the podcast, Richard. Thank you, Julia. Richard, you're the author of this recent semi-annual survey of the European repo markets. Can you start by giving us some background on the survey before we get into the most recent results? The uh, survey has been going for 15 years now. We started in 2001. It was an initiative by the European Repo Council, which is the committee of the International Capital Markets Association that um, is responsible for the repo market in, in Europe, that represents the repo market in Europe. The intention was to provide some insight into what was then a very rapidly developing market. And we have, as a result, the only really authoritative figures on the European repo market, and in fact, probably the best picture of any repo market in the world. So we've been pursuing it for 15 years, been gradually refined, and eventually we have a product which is is fairly unique. The headline figure set out by the survey is the amount of the repo business outstanding as of June 10th, 2015. And in the most recent report, this baseline figure for the market size is 5,612 billion euros. Richard, can you explain these figures and why the recent report shows the repo market remains steady despite warnings that the steadiness is in fact misleading? I think we have to step back a little and look at the trend. And very much since 2010, 2011, the market has trended downwards at a, a slight rate. And what we've seen in June 2015 is just a fluctuation around that trend. So the market's well below its pre-crisis peak. It's well below the level to which it recovered after the crisis. And we see in December and January when we do our surveys, we just see slight upticks, slight downticks, but it's really heading downwards. The big question for us was we had expected rather more of a, a downtick or, in fact, even an acceleration of the downward trend, and that's not apparent yet. The expectation that we had, that shared by people in the market, is that the weight of new regulation, particularly the leverage ratio and things like the forthcoming net stable funding ratio, that these would gradually 
depress market activity as they came on stream and that uh, other regulations such as the forthcoming total loss absorbing capital requirements would reinforce that trend and that we would really follow more of a trend that we've seen in the US market where since 2012 it's been a, a fairly sharp downward fall in the market. If you're using Federal Reserve Bank of New York primary dealer figures, those are now less than $4 trillion. And that's a, a clear and distinct, quite sharp downward fall. Europe, we are going slightly downwards, sideways a bit, but just slightly downwards. So why haven't we seen the same decline? I think in the US, regulatory pressures have been distinctly heavier. Repo, in fact, all short-term wholesale funding played a more important part in the financing of uh, U.S. securities dealers, and the regulators in the U.S. have been very keen to reduce the importance of short-term funding. In Europe, where investment banks are often associated with commercial banks, been less reliance on short-term funding, but still we expected similar sort of regulatory pressure to be exerted. The problem when we look at any individual figure or even a couple of um, semesters worth of figures are that um, we're seeing the net result of a number of complex factors. There is regulatory pressure there. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence to that effect. But in the first half of 2015, the market was quite buoyant. So it appears that that would have counteracted some of the regulatory pressure. In addition, in the latest survey, it would appear that several large Eurozone banks have taken the opportunity to expand their balance sheets quite significantly. Repo books are quite volatile. Uh, they can increase and decrease very rapidly over short periods of time. But on this occasion, we're wondering, well, why are these banks taken the opportunity to, or why are these banks increase their repo book against what we would see as the trend? And it would appear that probably most banks have anticipated a lot of the regulatory requirements that have been announced. They're meeting them much earlier than the regulations require them to. And they've got some leeway. And it may well be that there are opportunities in the first half of 2015, which these banks decided they could afford to exploit without losing control of their balance sheets. Now, just expanding on that a little bit more and focusing on the banks, what is their general strategic response and how are they implementing regulation? The regulations that are really sharply affecting the repo market, I mean, there have been general increases in capital requirements for risk, but the regulations that are, if you like, targeting repo are the leverage and liquidity regulations. So the leverage ratio, the liquidity coverage ratio, the net stable funding ratio, these are the key pressure points on the repo market. What banks have been doing is, well, these regulations have the effect of making repo more expensive. So the leverage ratio significantly increases the risk capital charge for repo. Repo is a very attractive instrument if you take into account the collateral, the reduction of the risk due to collateralization. On a risk-weighted basis, it's a good product. If you take away the benefit of collateral, then it's something that uses up a lot of balance sheet but is low margin, so it's much less attractive. The leverage ratio takes account of repo and ignores the collateral angle. So it significantly increases the capital charge on repo. Liquidity coverage ratio is fairly neutral for good quality collateral, but if you're trading things like corporate bonds, then it also increases the capital charge. And the net stable funding ratio 
which is intended to ensure that banks don't mismatch their maturities too much. That also makes life a lot more difficult if you're trying to intermediate in the repo market between sources of funds and uses of funds and vice versa, sources of collateral and uses of collateral. So banks have had to stand back and say, repo is much more expensive. We probably can't increase our bid offer spreads as much as we should in order to cover the increase in cost. We're going to have to ration repo. And that means giving it only to customers who in total are generators of revenue and profit for the bank. Now, the challenge for banks, of course, is to discover who those customers are. And I think in the last year or so, we've been seeing banks implementing new systems to add up the revenues and profits provided by particular customers so that they can make those decisions. So they're dealing with customers now on a much more holistic basis. And repo has become a loss leader. It's an essential service that you have to offer but you'll only do it if you think that you're recovering your cost from other products that you're able to sell to the customer. So I think that we're seeing a shift. We're seeing a very selective reappraisal of the business that banks do. Richard, for the repo professionals and collateral managers who read DerivSource, what do you believe to be the key takeaways of this report that you'd like to share with them and why? I think at the moment we have to say that the market's flatlining, shift, you know, crawling sideways, trending down slowly, whatever, however you want to characterize it, it's certainly not growing and it certainly won't grow. I think the question is whether that sideways, slight downward trend that we're seeing at the moment, or we've seen since 2010, 2011, whether that's actually going to suddenly descend, whether there's going to be an acceleration of the downward trends to follow the US market whether in fact the weight of regulation will reach a critical point at which lots of banks decide either to exit the business or to severely curtail their activities. So I would be advising considerable caution about the future of the market. If it, this does happen, then there are going to be knock-on effects into the liquidity of securities markets and derivatives markets. And I think we may get some reappraisal, official reappraisal, of the weight of regulation and the regulatory approach, because governments are going to be asking why they're paying more for their money. Companies are going to be telling regulators, well, we can't raise money cheaply anymore. Initiatives such as the European Capital Market Union are going to be undermined by the inability to issue corporate bonds. I think that we're going to, but it'll be a period of time before, it'll be a period before this actually happens. So it could be quite a difficult period if the market carries on going sideways, then people have got time to adjust. But I think it just delays the inevitable questions that have to be asked. So for repo professionals, it's focusing the business, being much more selective about what you do with your balance sheet. For customers of banks, it's going to be the ability to access the repo market through your bank or through any bank. That's going to become a lot more difficult. So you've just outlined some of the warnings for how the repo market in Europe is likely to contract in the future. But how do you think that the repo market will change in 2016 specifically? What do you see ahead for the next 12 months, Richard? I think the um, overall answer is I imagine it will stay more or less in the range that it's been in the last couple of years, so about $5.5 trillion. It's possible that being the end of the year, we'll get a slight downtick added to that because um, end of the year people rain in their balance sheets. 
But looking ahead, the worry is that we're going to see an acceleration of the, what is currently a slight downward trend. The weight of regulation is going to reach a critical point and that a lot of banks, having assessed their repo business over the last couple of years, will be in a position, will have made decisions, and some of them will leave the business. Most of them will curtail their activities. They'll be far more selective about what sort of business they do and with whom. And that that'll all come together and we'll see a sharp dip in the market. Probably that will happen in 2016, early 2017, but it could stretch a little further. But I think that's the probable horizon because that's when we're getting close to the final deadline for a lot of regulations to be fully implemented. 2018 is sort of the end date for this. Now, when this happens, or if and when this happens, I think there's going to be a period of reflection by uh, regulators or by their political masters, because it's going to be very difficult with a shrunken repo market to issue government debt in large quantities as efficiently as it's done now. Plans such as the Capital Market Union in Europe, which are intended to encourage companies to move away from bank financing and issue corporate bonds, they're going to be far more difficult to implement because corporate bonds will be a lot more difficult to sell, a lot more expensive. I think we may get people sitting back and thinking, well, have we got the balance right? But in between any official response or readjustment of regulatory pressure and where we are now, that could take quite a significant amount of time. No one's going to be in a rush to unwind the regulatory measures of the last few years. But the effect could be, when it comes, could be quite dramatic. Thank you for your time, Richard, and for sharing your insight with us today. To find out more about this topic, please visit the DerivSource podcast notes page. We will include a link to the ICMA survey there. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next time.